Uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, if you're using one of the Bibles that you got on the way in, it's page 908. Otherwise, you've got to find it yourself. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Okay? And we're, and we're going to be in the book of Acts. We are in the book of Acts. And this has already been such a great study because really the focus of Acts is the Holy Spirit's power. And, that, and no matter what we are facing in life, as individuals, as a church, as a country, in the world, whatever we're facing, we can still live in victory by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the whole, the next year, you probably notice I'm going a lot faster. Usually I do one or two verses a week. Uh, I'm going to try to do uh, one or two sermons per chapter. So hopefully by the, through the next year, we're going to finish the book of Acts. But, but the, the focus is, the focus is the Holy Spirit's power. We can live in that power, in that victory. And I just want to say, hi, Alice. Good to see you back. Hold up your hand. Uh, surgery came back well. Good, good, good. Good to see you. All right. Uh, uh, so anyway, <clears throat> witnessing in the Spirit's power, witnessing in the Spirit's power, Acts two fourteen to forty one. And as I was thinking about this passage, I thought of the Super Bowl, and most of you know that Tampa Bay won, but they weren't a very good team last year. I don't even, did they even make the playoffs last year? I don't even think they made the playoffs. But this year they win the Super Bowl. Now they were a pretty good team, but they weren't a great team. But but they were missing one player. Tom Brady, all right? I know a lot of you might not like him, like him, love him, you know, love him, hate him, whatever, but we can't deny he's a great player, right? And he comes to this team that was good, but he made them great, you know? They, 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 he, they did the impossible. Nobody thought they were going to win the Super Bowl just because Tom Brady came. But that was the missing piece, and that was what it took to turn that team around and win the Super Bowl. We're going to see the same thing happen here in the book of Acts today. Not the Super Bowl, something on a much greater scale than the Super Bowl, something far more important that we're going to actually care about in a year from now, right? Uh, We're going to see a worldwide spiritual impact in the book of Acts because the Holy Spirit shows up and takes Jesus' team... And 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 from and takes them really kind of from losers unto to complete winners. He takes the twelve dodos and and the 120 followers, and he turns them into supermen. That's what he does with with these guys. I mean, just look at Peter alone. He so far we've seen that he has a big mouth. And, and he's been a big failure, right? He slept through Jesus' agony in the garden. He wakes up just in time to deny him three times. Jesus resurrects and, and ascends, but he says, before he goes, I want you to wait and to pray. I want you to pray and to wait for the Holy Spirit. But Peter is still, Peter is still impulsive <laughs> and impatient. Nobody here like that. Uh, he's, he's like that. And so he picks the 12th apostle. He decides, we're going to pick the 12th apostle. We're going to replace Judas we're gonna, by shooting dice. You know, you know, it's like going to, going to the casino. He's shooting dice. He picks the 12th apostle. Nothing has quite changed with Peter. But then last week, last week, we saw that the Holy Spirit anoints the apostles, and Peter anoints the apostles with power. And we're going to see the new improved Peter today. The new improved Peter. The post-Holy Spirit. You know, you know these commercials, before and after, whatever. There's all kinds of different things you could, before and after. Before I started exercising after, now, you know, you know we transformed, you know, the this is the, the before and after. We already know the before Peter, the, the dodo, but now we're going to see the after Peter. And the difference is the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit's power. And the reason this is great is because there's hope for us. 
Because there just might be a dodo or two out there too. <laughs> We're all, put our hands up. We are all dodos. Now repeat after me. We are all dodos, right? But this is hope for us, no matter who we are and what we are and what we've done and what you know, whatever. Even the way we were walked in today, whatever we were carrying in, we can be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the worship. We thank you for everyone who was able to get here this morning, losing an hour, but also those who are watching. Lord, we just pray for every one of us that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word. We invite your Holy Spirit to do this work, to transform us, and to save. If anybody has never been saved, they've never put their faith in Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would convict them and touch their heart and save them today. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So here we go, Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> starting with verse 14. Now the Holy Spirit's already come upon them, right? We saw that came upon them with power. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, <clears throat> raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Uh, I'm, I'm quoting Joel. I, I gotta, I'm doing it by memory. I'm going to have to read this. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Interesting. <clears throat> if you read Joel chapter 2, it says the great and dreadful day of the Lord. But here it says the great and glorious day of the Lord. And the word there means awesome. Awesome. But for those in Joel, he's talking about judgment coming upon people for, for rejecting you know, God. And that's a time of judgment. Uh, but for those who don't believe in Jesus, it is a, a dreadful day. But here, Peter is stressing through the Holy Spirit, stressing the, the, the awesome word. He's stressing the part of it for the glorious. It could go either way. It's, context is the issue. And here, it's glorious because salvation is being offered. Isn't that interesting? Dreadful for those who don't believe in God and don't put their faith in Christ. But Peter's stressing, for us, it's a glorious day. Because it's going to be the second coming he's talking about, right? The second coming is going to be a glorious day. So <clears throat> the word could go either way. Context tells us. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Once again, Romans 10, uh, 15 quotes that. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over by, to you by God set purpose and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross but god raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him david said about him i saw the lord always before me because he is at my right hand i will not be shaken therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices my body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with, with joy in your presence. 
Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. That he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Going to come back to that one on Easter. All right. Uh, Verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make, an en- make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Here we go. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. Who is this guy? Is this even the same guy? Is this like an alien came in and you know, took over Peter? Is this, is this the same person? He was a super wimp. Super wimp. And now he's this bold super preacher. You talk about a super sermon. 3,000 converts after one sermon. Even Billy Graham, all those crowds going. Now, I don't even think he ever got that kind of a response, right? You talk about church growth. They went from 120 believers to 3,120 believers in one day. Imagine our church. We're not much bigger than that. You know, with 120. Imagine our church, you know, uh, adding 3,000 for next week. Hear that live stream? I want you people coming out here. Right? <laughs> Imagine adding 3,000, not just people, but converts. Lots of people jump churches. All these big churches, you know, merry-go-round. You know, that's what our church growth is in America, merry-go-round. These are converts. These are people putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Imagine that. What was the difference? Peter didn't go to seminary. <laughs> he didn't go get classes. He didn't take a church growth seminar. No, no. What was the difference? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the difference. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Peter is now preaching in the Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit is the key to preaching. The Holy Spirit is the key to witnessing. The Holy Spirit is the key to leading worship. The Holy Spirit is the key to any kind of worship, any kind of ministry, anything is the Holy Spirit's power. That's the the key. The Holy Spirit's power is the key for all of life's battles, all of life. Every battle we face, spiritual battle, every trial that we go through, anybody going through a trial? (laughs) Don't put your hands up. Everything we go through, every trial, anything we face in life, the Holy Spirit's power is the key. And last week, we talked about the filling of the Holy Spirit, being filled on a daily basis, Ephesians 5, 18 to 20. 
We, we talked about that. Every day when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, but then we have to keep letting him fill us, charge that phone. Remember we talked about the phone being charged, constantly charging. We need the Holy Spirit's power. And, and the focus today is I'm talking about witnessing in the Spirit's power. Being able to witness to people and share Jesus Christ with people has to be done in the Spirit's power. But whatever it is, whether it's witnessing, whether it's fighting temptation, whether it's going through a struggle or a trial in our life, whatever it is, we need the Holy Spirit's power. We need to completely depend on the Holy Spirit's power. Look at Peter, before and after. Completely depending on the Holy Spirit's power. And before we come back to that, I want to mention this. Look what, what Peter preached. He's preaching in the Spirit's power, but we can't, can't, don't ignore what he preached. What he preached. It's a vital lesson for witnessing here. Witnessing in the Spirit's power. We have, to, we have to witness what Peter witnessed. We have to share what Peter shared. We have to preach what Peter preached. Each one of us, the lesson, a really important lesson. Peter is preaching in the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit has filled him, pouring out. And what did he preach? It all boils down to a couple of verses. Let's look at Acts 2:36, and we'll start with 36, go through 39. Just look at, it all boils down to this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. He, this, he starts off, this is really the, the focus of his, his witness. He starts off talking about God's love, right? Oh, oh, I missed that part. No, wrong. Wait, wait, verse 36, what does he say? Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. What did he start with? The cross. He, starts, he didn't start with God's love. He started with the cross. That's what he started with. He, he's, he, Jesus crucified. He's preaching the cross. I, I watch once in a while when I'm really bored. I watch these TV preachers. Really, really bored. And, uh, and I watch these TV preachers. There's a couple solid ones, but the vast majority, it's, it's, it's painful. It's painful. They preach about God's love. You know, you think they're talking about Santa Claus. You know, God's love. And he wants the best, what's best for your life. And if you just buy my book, you'll know what that is. No, not the Bible. Oh, no, no. My book. Yeah. And, and, and they're, they're, they never talk about anything unpleasant like the cross or the blood of Jesus or anything. Nothing ever. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, the, these are false teachers. And even the ones who aren't false teachers are functional false teachers, because I know some of them really do believe the word, but they don't preach it. No, they're too busy in their skinny jeans with their, you know, their, their Starbucks and, you know, and, and being cool and, and trying to act like they're woke instead of trying to help people wake up spiritually, right? And, 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 and they're functional false teachers. They don't teach the word. They don't preach the word. They don't preach the cross. They, they, they know false teachers and even the functional false teachers, the guys who are really believers but they function as false teachers, they know to avoid the cross. They know to, they just instinctively know to avoid the cross because the cross is offensive to the world. The cross is offensive to fake Christians. 
If you're here and you're li- or you're listening at home and, and you're a fake Christian, you're probably getting really uncomfortable right now. But you know why? Because the cross is uncomfortable. And not only that, the cross is, makes carnal Christians uncomfortable. Worldly Christians. In First Corinthians, it talks about carnal or worldly. Same word. It means a, a Christian who's, who's a Christian, but they live like the world. They've been so influenced. They've been so conformed to the world. They live like the world. They think like the world. They have a, a worldly worldview instead of a biblical worldview. And it makes them even. It makes them uncomfortable. Why? Romans. Uh, not Romans. Mark eight thirty four. Jesus talking about the cross. He says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said. If whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. If you want to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple. There's no such thing as a believer in the Bible. It's a disciple, someone who really follows Jesus. You have to deny yourself. No, who likes denying? Deny, deny, deny. Nobody likes denying, right? If we deny ourselves and take up your cross. And that goes against our flesh, which is what carnal Christians are living by in the flesh. The cross is not popular. I'm not, I, 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 the true cross, I'm not talking about the cross we wear on our necklaces, because and we, I love it when we get cross necklaces. A lot of people have gold or cross necklaces, and, and, and even the world wears those. You know, they wear that, I'm not talking about that gold cross they wear on a necklace. I, I'm talking about the real cross. The real true cross of Jesus Christ was repulsive repulsive think of something that would just repulse you that was the cross of jesus christ it would be uh, it'd be like you know people wearing an electric chair around their neck you know you know wearing a little electric chair you know or, or you know a little noose you know you know think you know the noose ugh, is re- because of all the racism the noose is just something like, oh, repulsive and it should be it's repulsive but imagine somebody wearing a noose that, that's what it was like. It was, it's repulsive. The cross was repulsive. And, and it's because in the Roman society, they would strip somebody naked and nail them to the cross and torture them to death. That's what they did. So when someone was crucified, they were like the worst of the worst. They were cursed in their society. Cursed. And that's what Jesus Did for us. He took the curse. He was cursed. This cross is the most repulsive thing that you can imagine. He he went on that, and that became his identity. That is our identity as Christians. The cross. The cross is our power. Jesus died on the cross to break the power of sin for our life, to give us forgiveness. But the world hates it. In 1 Corinthians 1, verses 17 to 18, it says, I'm just going to go by. For the, for the, um, oh, I've got to find it. I don't know what I did with this. Galatians? I must have forgot somewhere. Oh, here it is. Okay. 1 Corinthians 1, 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now, here we go. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is foolishness. The cross of Jesus Christ is foolishness. That's why the TV preachers don't preach it. It sounds foolish to the world. They're not going to sell any books. 
It, it, that's why these woke pastors don't preach the cross. Because it's not going to fill the pews and fill up their, their offering plates. It's foolishness to the world. To the, 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 the fake Christians. To the carnal Christians. But to us, it's the power of God. The power of God for our salvation. That's, that's, the cross is our power. Jesus died on the cross to break the power of sin and give us forgiveness. And whenever you preach, whenever you witness, whenever you share the gospel, focus on the cross. Focus on the cross. And then Peter goes right from the cross and then he moves on, right on to God's love. Oh, wait, he didn't, did he? He goes right to God's love. I'm, I'm making fun of, you know, American Christianity, obviously, what we preach constantly and leave out constantly. He goes right on. He says here, the, he, Peter replied, re, after he talks about the, the cross, he, uh, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, what should we do? Peter replied, accept God's love. No, no. Peter replied, repent. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. We have a baptism. As soon as the water warms up, we're going to have our baptism. Hang on, guys. I know some of you are waiting waiting because of the COVID. But we're going to have our baptism. It's very, very important. It shows outside an outward witness what happened inside you. Hang on. But look what Peter says. He said, repent. He preaches the cross. And the very next thing he tells the people is to repent. To repent. Any gospel message that does not include repentance is a false gospel message. That goes for witnessing too. True faith includes repentance. I remember there was a famous preacher who said there's two sides of the same coin. Remember Matthew did it up here? On the two sides of the same coin, that was his sermon a while ago. Repentance and faith, two sides of the same coin. It's impossible to have faith without repentance, and it's impossible to have repentance without faith. There's two sides of the same coin. They go together completely. We have, it has to include repentance. I, there was a, when I first started in ministry a long time ago, there was a woman in our church, and she was an evangelist. I loved her, loved her evangelist but she would constantly be leading people she said to christ converts every week but but they weren't becoming disciples and she'd come out i let another one to christ i go well where are they where's the one from last week oh they lost interest already you know i'm like wait a minute <laughs> you know if, if everybody she led to christ came to church or you know we would have had to you know buy a movie theater or something right it was crazy and i i said listen let's talk about your methods i want to talk about your methods and we started talking and she started telling me how she shared jesus with people and it was all god's love but no holiness it was a, a free gift but there was no change needed you know it was willy wonka's golden ticket you know it's basically you want a golden ticket here here you go willy wonka I, who wouldn't want i said i said to her, who wouldn't want that who wouldn't take that this free ticket to heaven with no cost involved who wouldn't take that that's like the covid relief package you know you know free but no cost but we all know it's going to cost us plenty right it's going to if you're working uh, but but uh, listen it's not free Somebody has to pay for it. And the gospel is not free. Somebody had to pay for it. And there is a cost to accepting it. We have to take, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus Christ. There is a cost. The cross, and the, the, we have to focus on the cross, and we have to focus on repentance. But what about God's love? And aren't we saved by faith? What about God's love? And aren't we saved by faith? Yes! Yes! 
We're not leaving that out, right? Uh, I finish every sermon. I'm going to do it again today. John 3.16. What do I always finish with? Some, I had someone complain to me. He said, why do you always talk about John 3.16? You always finish with John 3.16. I said, you've got to get saved. You know, I said, <laughs> somebody in our church, they're gone now. But anyway, uh, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There it is. I finish every sermon. I'm going to do it again. I'm doing it now. John 3, 16. God loves us. He loves us. And we, but we, and we have to believe in him. So God's love and faith, yeah, you know, that's how we get life. But God's love never negates his holiness or his justice. He loved us, but someone still had to pay for sin. His son, Jesus, died on the cross for us because of God's love. Someone had to pay. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love, yeah, but someone paid. And yes, we are saved by faith. How many times do we talk about this? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this not for ourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are saved by putting our faith in God's grace. But that faith must include repentance, or it is a fake faith. And I'm going to say this. The majority of Christians in America have a faith, fake faith. A fake faith. There's no doubt about it. A fake faith. And some of you might be getting nervous right now. I hope you are, if you have a fake faith. I hope today it becomes real. There has to be a repentance that goes with faith or it is fake. Acts 2.38, look what he says here. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. That's not the end of it. Then the very next chapter, verse 19, chapter 3, verse 19, when Peter says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out so that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent. There it is again. Acts 26, 20. Uh, just so you know, it's not just, uh, you know, it's, all, it's everywhere. Acts 26, 20. P- Paul is preaching to the kings and leaders. He said, uh, he said, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove the repentance by their deeds. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. There has to be, there has to be a repentance. Faith Faith and repentance are completely connected. They're inseparable. Inseparable. And when someone says, well, I believe in Jesus, but there's no repentance. First of all, if you don't, you've got to repent of something to be saved from something. If we don't say, God, I repent of my sin, I put my faith in Jesus, that we didn't, we, we only did half of that, right? You know? And, and, but there should be a change, too. Repentance of true faith should be a change. No change, no Jesus, no Jesus, no change. There has to be a change. There has to be a change. Are you truly saved? Are you truly saved? Whether you're sitting here, whether you're listening in your car, whether you're watching this, are you truly saved? Have you repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you repented of everything you've ever done, doing, will do, repented of that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? As Peter says in verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Have you, been, have you repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ? As, as Christians, is there proof in our life? Is there proof in our life of true faith? Is there proof 
what Paul said in Acts 26.20. I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. Is there proof in our life? Is there true change? And once again, no Jesus, no change, no change, no Jesus. Is there proof of that? There has to be proof that our faith is real. Are we, uh, are, are we, and once again, baptism follows closely. If you have not been baptized as a believer, baby baptism, that's a dedication. Biblical baptism, immersion, underwater, in the river. You don't have to be in the river. It could be anywhere. But, well, we do in the river. And the river is coming up soon. As soon as, the, as soon as the ice completely melts, we'll be out there. All right? We were limited last year because of COVID. But have you been baptized to show people that your faith is real? Are we living in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we living in that power? Is it changing us? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, and I'm going to look it up. I haven't memorized, but just in case. Uh, what? Really, our, our church's key verse that we've always focused on, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindles will inherit the kingdom of God. If you are on that list, you're not going to heaven. Does it mean that we don't struggle with those things? <laughs> no, no. We're all tempted. And we might slip and fall, but that cannot be who we are. If anything on that list is your identity, if anything on that list is something you say, this is who I am and what I am, and God made me this, a drunkard, God made me this way. And whatever on that list, if that's your identity, you cannot be a Christian. Whatever we're struggling with on that list, we had better be repenting of and battling tooth and nail to show that our faith is real. It's impossible. But then the great news, the great, great news, he says, uh, uh, nor slanderers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We have, that's what we were. Yeah, we still might struggle with those things. Sure, we're still tempted with those things, right? But, but we don't have to own them anymore. We don't have to give in to them anymore. We have the Holy Spirit's power to, to be sanctified. Sanctified means to, to become more and more holy. There, there's positional sanctification that happens the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You are immediately with Jesus Christ. But then the Bible also teaches progressive sanctification. That's what little by little we become more like Jesus. Little by little we defeat a, a, a stronghold or a sin in our life more and more. There should be progressive sanctification by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we seeing the Holy Spirit's power in our life? And if you need someone to talk to, talk to me. I'll connect you with someone who will help you in those battles. Every one of us, every, we, we got it all covered here, believe me. That, so that's what some of you were. We got it covered. We could add to that list here at New Hope, can't we? We could add to that list. Like anybody, whatever your struggles, we have someone who can help you with it. <clears throat> Are we witnessing in the power of the Spirit? Are we witnessing in the Spirit's power? There will be a radical difference when we do. A radical difference. The Holy Spirit can touch and transform lives in a powerful way that we can't even imagine. But we have to pray for that and depend on the Holy Spirit's power and, and stick to the Word and let the Spirit work through the Word. But the, there's a radical difference when we allow the Holy Spirit to do this. I've been talking a lot about revivals as we go through the book of Acts. <clears throat> a lot of you know who Jonathan Edwards was. 
uh, he, he, was a, he saw revival in New England, and then there was a great awakening that followed. He was connected to Whitfield and Wesley and these guys. But, but his church had revival. It was awesome. It was amazing. All the people in the town got saved. But then the church became carnal. Not all of them, but, the, but too many of them became carnal. They were carnal Christians. They became worldly Christians, and they actually fired him. Jonathan Edwards got fired. Fired for being faithful. Everything he taught was faithful. He got fired because they were carnal, worldly believers, and they fired him. And he then went as a missionary. He had nowhere to go. He went as a missionary to the Indians, American Indians, the Mohicans. Uh, some of you remember The Last of the Mohicans, uh, one of my favorite books. Uh, Cooper, James Fenmore Cooper, but, but th- that was not true. This is true. Uh, he, he, took this, he took his ministry to the Mohicans, and uh, he had a, uh, a young man who would, w- was ministering with him named David Brainerd, and David Brainerd had a real burden for the, the American Indians to be saved, and he, uh, he, he, they were in Connecticut at this time. In fact, when I was in Connecticut, I was a, a pastored in Connecticut for eight years, and I was heard about Brainerd's Rock, where he would pray for the, the Indians to be saved in, in Connecticut. And I remember going, uh, looking for this, because I heard it was near us. And I, and I took one of the young men from my church along. We went searching. We found Brainerd's Rock. It was in somebody's backyard. They had a backyard in a little woods. We did all the study and figured it out. I went up to the lady's house and knocked it out. I said, uh, do you mind if we look in your rock? I heard there's a, a famous rock. Oh, yeah, I saw that big rock back there. I heard something about that. We went back in. There's this massive rock just coming off out of the ground. And David Brainerd would pray at that rock. Now it's forgotten. I should have bought the house and made it a museum or something, right? But, but, but he prayed at that rock. And, and he was out praying. And David Brainerd ended up getting TB back when it was a death sentence. And very, very serious. He got uh, tuberculosis, and he would, he would be out there praying at that rock. Coughing up blood. Praying for the salvation of the Mohican tribe. He ended up dying of tuberculosis. And, and not, only, not only him, but he was engaged then to one of Jonathan Edwards' daughters, and she was taking care of him, and she caught tuberculosis and died a short time after he did. But before he died, he saw the Holy Spirit's power break out in the Mohican tribe. And after he died, Jonathan Edwards took his diary and turned it into a book. I'm just going to read you an excerpt, an excerpt, if I can do it now. (laughs) He's preaching, and he had to speak to an interpreter because he didn't speak the the language. And the interpreter and his wife finally, as they were preaching, finally became Christians. They became believers. And after that point, after they became believers, that's when the power broke out. Because he wasn't just translating words. He began to really preach 
And even after Brainerd would finish his sermon, the, the, the translator, the Mohican translator, would go on preaching. The congregation was growing in number as new people were coming. Brainerd reports concerning the meeting of one afternoon, there was much visible concern among them while I was discoursing publicly. But afterward, when I spoke to one and another more particularly, whom I perceived were under concern, the power of God seemed to descend upon the assembly like a mighty rushing wind. It's like Acts 2, doesn't it? And with an astonishing energy bore down all before it. I stood amazed at the influence which seized the audience almost universally. And could compare it to nothing more aptly than the irresistible force of a mighty torrent or swelling deluge that with its insupportable weight and pressure bears down and sweeps before it whatever is in its way. Almost all people of all ages were bowed down with concern together. And scarcely one was able to withstand the shock of the surprising operation. Old men and women who had been drunken wretches for many years and some little children not more than seven years of age appeared in distress for their souls as well as persons of middle age. It was apparent that these children, some of them at least, were not merely frightened and, 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 and oh, can't read it. not merely frightened with seeing the general concern but were made aware of their danger, the badness of their hearts and the misery without Christ. The most stubborn hearts were now obliged to bow. A man among the Indians who before was the most secure and self-righteous was brought to conversion. There just, and it goes on to tell story after story. This was indeed a surprising day of God's power and seemed enough to convince an atheist of the truth, importance, and power of God's word. A just amazing story of what happened during this revival with the Mohican tribe. Amazing. God's power, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is the key for us today. For the USA today. For New Hope Community Church today. For our lives. Every one of our lives. Think about what we go through on a daily basis. The power of the Holy Spirit. For the prodigals. So many of us have prodigals you know, that, that we are just agonizing over and praying for. The power of the Holy Spirit is the key to touch the hearts of these prodigals. Will we pray for the Holy Spirit's power to fall upon us, to go in us and through us to others? Will we witness in the power of the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit's power. Your Holy Spirit's power, we cannot do it. We want revival, but we can't do it. We want to see the church in America wake up, but we can't do it. 
We want to see our neighbors and friends come to Jesus Christ. We want to see them in heaven someday, but we can't do it. We want to see our prodigals be set free from Satan's lies and demonic powers. But we can't do it. We need your Holy Spirit. How is God speaking to your heart right now? Will you commit with me to praying for the power of the Holy Spirit? Today, every day, commit to that. To live out the power of the Holy Spirit. And while we're praying about that, maybe you're listening to this or here today and you don't have the Holy Spirit because you've never repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never acted on God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Maybe like in Acts chapter 2, you are being convicted right now and you're ready to repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ to receive the Holy Spirit right now, wherever you are. The simple prayer of faith. God, I want to act on your love. I want to receive your love. I repent I ask for forgiveness and I repent of everything in my life, every sin, everything in my life that goes against your word and your will. I repent. And I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. I know he died on that cross for me. He rose again from the dead for me. I put my faith in him. I give my life to him. I want your Holy Spirit in me. Father, I pray for each person that has put their faith in you that your Holy Spirit would just fill them and transform them. And I pray for, through salvation, I pray for every one of us that we would see sanctification by your Spirit's power. Progressive sanctification. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you put your faith in Christ, whether you're here or whether you're somewhere else, let somebody know. Let somebody know. Before you leave here, before you let this day go by, if you're home, let somebody know. Maybe a family member or a friend or let me know. Let let somebody know so we can be excited for you and help you grow.